welcome to MCC Online. My name is Jason. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. Uh, I'm the worship pastor here at MCC, and uh, I have the, the honor and the privilege of sharing a message with you this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to dive into uh, a passage of scripture from Luke, Luke 22, if you want to follow along. And uh, but before we do that, I'm going to uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself because I still feel like I'm kind of the new guy here at MCC. I still feel like I'm kind of new because I let's see here. It's it'll be almost a year. So I, I came on staff in October of last year, late October. And so uh, I kind of still feel like I'm the new guy, even though, you know, I've been here a year. I'm, I, I guess I don't know what the, the qualifications are for that term, but definitely feel like the new guy. So I'm going to, to share with you a little bit about myself. Uh, I am married to a beautiful, uh, smart, hardworking woman. Uh, her name is Renee. And we have three children. We have our oldest, Cadence, who is 12, uh, our, our little boy in the middle, who is 10, Clayton. And then we have our, uh, our baby girl, who is uh, four years old, and her name is Claire. And so we uh, definitely stay busy. Uh, Renee definitely stays busy uh, chasing all those, all those kids around. Uh, but, uh, but that's a little bit about me. I, I originally grew up in, in Washington State um, and uh, grew up in a little, little farming community called Stanwood, Washington. It's about an hour north of Seattle. And, uh, you know, basically just uh, wandered around town uh, cow tipping. No, I, I actually never, never did any cow tipping, but um, other people did. Uh, and <laughs> it didn't look very fun to me. So I just, I just stayed away. I was uh, I was the guy that was, uh, you know, uh, somewhere in a corner with my guitar, playing, strumming, trying to learn how to sing Nirvana songs or Alice in Chains songs or something like that. That was me. Um, and so from a from a pretty young age, about when I was eleven or twelve, um, I started playing guitar and I started uh, trying to to learn how to be musical and. Um, the rest is history. Uh, but enough about me. I think I've, I've blabbered on enough about myself. Let's, uh, let's dig into the scripture this morning. But before we do, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what you want to speak to us. And again, God, we just, we just put our, our hearts in a, in a vulnerable position this morning for you to be able to speak and mold our hearts. God, would you would you mold us and shape us into who you want us to be? Let us love like you love in your name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, we're going to be looking at a passage today from Luke. And so if you have your Bible, you can follow along. It's Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 39 through 46. And so I'm going to read this. Uh, real quick for us to so give us some context as to what we're talking about this morning. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So this is the scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. And I'm, I'm not very good with, with titles. And, uh, and, and so I, I couldn't really think of a good title uh, for the sermon this morning. And so, um, you know, I'll leave that up to you. You know, if by the end of the sermon you, you, you have a good title name, you, you can, if you want, you can email me or something. Uh, and and we'll, 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 we'll tack it on there after the fact. But uh, I just couldn't. I couldn't settle on something. I've got some different things on my mind um, with this passage. And, and so, but one of the things that I wanted to note before we continue on is uh, is the things that this passage is is revealing to me, and one of them is uh, that that Jesus is human, right? And and we all know that if you grew up in the church, it's it's you know we hear that a lot that Jesus was fully God and fully man, and we just kind of throw that around. We just kind of say it, um, but there's there's something really important about it and, and and we shouldn't really get used to that if that makes sense we shouldn't become complacent with that phrase and uh let it lose its meaning to us because this is very important for us as christians and believers um, and as people who live in this world uh, it's very important to note that that jesus was human that he experienced the emotions and the pain and the suffering and the anxiety and depression. I mean, if you look at this scripture, you can see that he's, he's praying and he's, he's sweating blood. I mean, that, it, to me, that flags as anxiety. Uh, and also like depression of like, man, I know what is ahead of me and uh, it's my death and that's depressing. I mean, that, that would be uh, depressing. I mean, even knowing what he knew as God, it would still be uh, pretty depressing to know that you're on your way to to ending uh, ending your life. And and so even hunger and thirst. If we think about Jesus as a person, we can think about all these things that he experienced. Everything that is like fundamental. Uh, everything that is essential to the human experience. Jesus felt those feelings and experienced that stuff. And so I want you to take just a second and I want you to think about this because this is the beginning of empathy, right? When we, when we try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and not just feel sorry for them because that's something that we can do. That's... That's something that's easy for us to do, to look at somebody who is going through something and say, man, I, I feel really sorry for them. It's, that's too bad that they, that they feel that way. That's too bad that they're going through that, whatever it may be. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about empathy, which is where we put ourselves in that place. And we try, if we can, to recall something that really hurt 
something that really affected us and maybe even something that's similar to to what jesus is going through experiencing pain and suffering anxiety depression to think about that and to realize that jesus went through that and 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 to try to put yourself and 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 even try as weird as it may sound to experience those feelings again and let those feelings come so that you can so you can relate to that person that's what empathy is and so i think it's important for us to to try to do that you know and sometimes it may not be fully possible to understand what somebody is going through but to try to put yourself in their shoes and actually recall something that hurt that's that's empathy because um, here's here's the thing you know i said earlier that we just kind of throw throw around this phrase that that jesus was human that he's fully god fully man um and, and what i think ends up happening is in the way that we think we start to to kind of put jesus as like this superhero archetype right he's this kind of like superman like because he's fully god and fully human He's like a he's like a superhero. He uh, he he you know he he can he can withstand immense amounts of immense amounts of pain and suffering. And I think that that kind of sells us short on true theology, which is and and what we can see here in this scripture and in this passage is that Jesus is experiencing hurt and pain, anguish and anxiety and depression and i think it's easier and 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 much more pleasant to think of god as somebody who can't experience those things because because those things are are ugly those things are bad those things are things that we don't want uh in our face and so we don't want to live in a world where our god uh, experienced those things if that makes sense, because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But the, th the thing that's really important is when we embrace this idea, what we're embracing is that Jesus, that he was in the human experience like we were, and that just because he was fully God doesn't mean that he didn't go through these things. And it help us, helps us to empathize with his situation and realize some things. Um, I think that is physically, as far as I as far as I know, uh, from what I have read in the Bible, that Jesus uh, he was a a normal person, right? He had a, a a normal physical form. He was human. He had to eat. He had to drink. Um, he had to do other things that are involved with that. Uh, he was he was. Uh, as I said early, earlier, fully God and, and fully man. And, uh, and so, but again, I think we put this superhero archetype on him. We, we think, oh, he, 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 can, he can withstand pain and suffering, but um, I, I don't think so. I think he was a normal person. Uh, and I say that in quotes because obviously he was fully God and fully man, like we said. So um, there were some things that were supernatural about him and he displayed a lot of those things with his miracles. But um, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we think 
that he had like bigger muscles maybe or maybe he had like um like a bigger brain like he was somehow smarter than everybody else and i i, I just don't think that that's true um and again I, I i could be wrong but i don't think that that's true uh god could have sent his son as a as a, a giant he could have he could have sent his son down as as an obvious god right like different in 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 big and crazy ways that that it would be so obvious but he didn't he did not um he sent a man i i feel like that ha had experienced uh things like we experience and that's important as well and we'll get to that um but I think that that's what makes this so powerful, this, this passage and intense, is that Jesus is showcasing his humanity. Or a better way of saying it might be that his, his, his sweating and crying in the garden is, is, is his, his humanity breaking through, right? Breaking through. Uh, the, the crazy thing is, is that when we think about heroes and the hero archetype, usually... Um, heroes uh, cannot waver. They have to be steadfast, you know. In any, uh, you know, story, you'll see most of the time that the hero has to have no doubt and he, he's, he's the guy, he's going to do it, he's going to go through with it, and uh, he remains steadfast in every situation. And what we're seeing here is a glimpse of a different kind of hero because jesus is a hero there's there's no way around that right fully god fully man what he did on the cross uh it, it changed everything forever and so he absolutely is the hero of all time uh but but he shows us in this moment that he is experiencing doubt about what he's doing He's having second thoughts. You know, the scripture says that he cries out to God and says, if it's possible, would you take this cup from me? What he's talking about is he's talking about his betrayal and his death on the cross. He's saying, if there's any other way that we can make this happen, would you, would you please do something to intervene here? Because I don't know if I can go through with this. This is, this is getting real. This is getting scary. And it's happening, and, and I, I'm, I'm scared. And that kind of vulnerability uh, really is, is strength, is what it is. To, to be comfortable enough with God, to be able to share your true feelings with Him and be vulnerable with Him. This is an example in Scripture. Jesus is giving us an example. I think He gives us a lot of examples throughout his life in scripture, but uh, this, is, this is definitely Jesus uh, showing his, his humanness and fear, uh, and that's an example for us to, to realize that that's okay. It's okay to express those things. It's okay to have those thoughts and those feelings. Obviously, those thoughts and those feelings didn't define Jesus right? They didn't. They were a passing thing. They didn't define him as a person or as God. He was just dealing with what was bubbling up to the surface in that moment. And uh, 
really important about the scripture is that he ends his prayer with not my will but yours be done not my will but yours be done he expresses himself he gets everything out on the table and then he comes back around and says but i know you're in control and not my will but yours be done god right that's really important key part of the process of us expressing our true feelings to God. He can handle them, right? He can handle our, our anger. He can handle our fear, our anxiety, our depression, our joy, everything. God can handle it. He's, he's big. And so we should not be afraid of expressing those things to God. In fact, what we see here, what we see in other scriptures as well is that when we express ourselves to God that we we end up realizing that God is good and that he provides for us we see this so much in the scriptures in psalm psalm specifically with with David where he will He'll rant, God, why have you forsaken me? Why, what, what's going on? My enemies trample me. Everything around me is terrible. And then by the end of the psalm, you can see that he says, but I know that you're faithful. I know that you've done things in my life. I know that you're real. And so I'm going to trust in you. There's this, this thing that happens in our hearts when we are true with God, when we express our true feelings with them. And it's an important thing. And Jesus is modeling it for us here. One quick uh, note before we move on that I wanted to say is, I think it's pretty funny if you look at the scripture towards the end there, um, it says, uh, let, me, let me see if I can find it, it says, uh, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now that's not funny, but what I'm getting to is this next part when he says, he rose from prayer and he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep exhausted from sorrow right so that's jesus jesus is exhausted from sorrow the scripture is saying exhausted from sorrow he said this why are you sleeping he asked them get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation and i just think it's interesting and again another sign of god's humanity that in this moment where he's going through anguish and suffering that he kind of, he, he loses a little bit with his disciples, right? Nothing crazy, right? But he just kind of flies off the handle a little bit. He's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you sleeping? You know, and they're like, they're probably like, uh, I, so, so sorry, you know, because they haven't come, come to terms or, or fully been able to, to understand what's going to happen in the next, you know, 24, 48 hours with his death. And so uh, I just think that's an interesting little side note that even in that part we can see uh, Christ's humanity breaking through we're gonna continue and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that that uh, I don't know it might it might take you off guard a little bit uh, but I want you to stick with me all the way to the end here Jesus asked for something right he said if it's possible would you take this cup from me but he didn't he didn't get an answer to that prayer let me say it this way he didn't get the answer that he wanted to that prayer right he asked for something 
He said, can we, can we change this? Can we make this different? And he didn't get that. It worked out differently. As we know, Jesus went on to be betrayed and beaten and, and he suffered death on the cross. And he did this obviously for a reason so that we could have life eternally, that we could be forgiven of our sins. And he was the sacrificial lamb, uh, so to speak. Um, and so obviously this was an important mission that he had and he knew that it was important, but in that moment, he had doubts, like I said earlier. And think about this, he didn't get the answer that he wanted, right? He didn't get what he wanted and he is Jesus, the son of God, okay? He is a, a pretty important person, right? I mean, let's think about this. He's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He is God. And he prayed for something and it didn't happen. And I, I can relate to this personally. Uh, when I read this passage, um, I, you know, I, I, I can understand something not turning out the way that you wanted it to or the way that you prayed for it to. And I'm going to give you a couple of personal examples of that. One is um, in, in 2015, when I first moved up here to Oregon from California, uh, I had my, my, my prescription for my glasses. And uh, at that point, I'd had it for like a couple years. And so I thought, oh, um, it seems like I can't really see uh, like I'm supposed to. So I'm going to go and get my eyes checked at the, at the eye doctor. So made an appointment. It had been a while since I'd done that. Actually, I hadn't got them checked since I got my glasses a couple of years before that. So I was thinking, yeah, you know, people's prescriptions change. I'm sure, you know, just a quick little, yeah, here you go. Here's a new prescription. I, uh, I walked in there and, uh, they did their thing. You know, they did some tests and whatnot. And the eye doctor, after he was done, he said, well, uh, I'm pretty sure you have diabetes. And I just thought, what are you talking about? Like, you're an eye doctor, like, I, I don't get it. Like, you you looked into my eyes and you saw that I have diabetes? Like, I, I don't understand. And he said, yeah, no, there's, there's some things going on that look like diabetic retinopathy. Um, and it looks like it's pretty far progressed. And so he said, I would, I would right away go and see your doctor. He said, I would get some blood work done, you know, and, and it just, it just scared me so much, scared me so much. In that moment, I thought, oh my gosh, what is happening to me? And over the next uh, couple months, I, I learned that, yeah, I had, a, uh, I had a, a disease, I had diabetes. And so we were working on that. And, and further than that, I had diabetic retinopathy and it was uh, stage four, they told me, which is the final stage before blindness. Stage five is blindness. And so basically my doctors were telling me, you will go blind. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. At some point, you will go blind. And of course this scared me. I started thinking, I'm not gonna be able to see my kids grow up. I'm not gonna be able to see my daughter get married. I'm not gonna be able to see the adult faces of my children. I'm not going to be able to behold the aged face of my beautiful wife. All of these things, you know, and so depression just started to sink in and 
and it was a dark a dark time for me i i, I mean truthfully it, it was it was depressing just the prospect of that um i can report now to make a long story short that things are going much better uh, but i'm not fully healed i every couple months i have to go in for these uh eye injections and uh it's not very fun uh, but it's the medicine that that keeps my vision at bay and yes the doctor has told me that things have gotten better um, but I prayed, I prayed, I had, you know, my church family pray. There were prayer meetings where people laid hands on me, the, the elders and, and all these things. And I, I really believed that God could heal me. I still do. And that there was a possibility that he would, you know, you make all those deals. God, if you, if you do this, man, I, I, I will, I will just from the mountaintops, I'll, show. I'll, I'll go on Good Morning America. I, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will be a fool for you, right? We all have those conversations sometimes with God where we try to make a deal, right? The truth is, I was not healed in the way that I was picturing it, right? The doctors have done some amazing things to help me along. I still get floaters in my eyes. Again, I'm not fully healed but I am healed in some ways. And, and the more important part that I'll look into a little bit more in a moment is that I will be healed eventually. Because if I truly believe the gospel, if I truly believe what Jesus has told us, then I believe that when I die, it doesn't end. That there's more and that I will become whole that I will be complete and that every tear will be wiped away. That's what, as Christians, we believe. That God died for us so that we could have eternal life and that the ultimate healing will happen when that happens. And so even if it doesn't happen here on earth, it's going to happen. And I wanted to share with you um, another story to kind of finish things up. And that's the story of... Uh, of our beautiful daughter, Sophia. Uh, right about a year after we moved here, I think it was 2016, yeah, beginning of 2016, we started looking into becoming foster parents and what that meant and what that would mean for our family. And ultimately, we, we got the certification and we started fostering. And our third placement was a, a baby girl, and she was about a month old. This was in August of 2016. And uh, I remember the day that Renee called me. My wife called me and asked, you know, hey, they have this, this baby. She's only a month old. You know, they're asking if we would be willing to take her. And I said, absolutely, we can. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember going, going home from work that day and meeting Sophia for the first time and just falling in love with her. She was beautiful. Um, at the time, she was very lethargic uh, because she wasn't eating enough. And so um, she just wasn't moving a whole lot, wasn't saying a whole lot. In fact, one of the earlier things that, that we had to do, and I felt really bad about this because she was so tiny and small and cute, is we would have to wake her up every three hours and feed her. Um, if we didn't wake her up, she would probably just keep sleeping. 
Um, and so uh, I felt really bad, like waking up this child every, every three hours, but I, I felt determined to try to help her. And uh, over the coming weeks, slowly but surely, she started kind of regaining some of her countenance and, and uh, livening up a little bit. And, and uh, it, it's really an amazing thing how fast you can forge a bond with somebody when you're taking care of them, when, when really they can't take care of themselves. It's just, it's almost instant. It's almost like you're helpless and I, and I want to help you. And um, fast forward about a year through all these different medical appointments, trying to understand why she wasn't developing the way that uh, a child is supposed to develop. Um, we realized that she was uh, disabled and, and um, that she had some, some, some issues and we were trying to figure out what those things were and get her help as early as we could. And so there was a lot of, of, uh, a lot of visits to, to Dornbecker and, and driving to, to Portland and going all over the place for, for different doctors and just trying to see what was happening. And the pinnacle of her physical movement was uh, in, in May, uh, uh, I believe of, uh, yeah, 2016, she, she rolled over, uh, excuse me, of 2017, she rolled over. And uh, um, that was like a big moment for us as a family. We're like, yes, this is amazing. She's, she rolled over because she had not been super physical. Um, but that was the peak of it. From there, things kind of started to, to fall off. And um, in 2017, right, right after, it was literally the day after, that we got the phone call that the case had been opened up for adoption and that the family was ready to sign the papers. The next day, one of her doctors called. It was Halloween, October 31st, 2017. And um, they told us that she had a disease that was uncurable. Um, it was fatal, and uh, that they needed to talk to us and explain more things, and so we had we had to come in. But that uh, the long and short of it was that she she wouldn't live past the age of five, and then no child with this very rare genetic disease has has lived past the age of five. Uh, and everything stopped. Everything came to a halt. We had this plan. We had this thing that we were so excited about, this, this beautiful child. Um, we had psyched ourselves into realizing that saying yes to Sophia and, and adopting her meant that we could be taking care of her for the rest of our lives because we didn't know to what degree she would develop. And so um, we were ready for that. We were ready to, to love her until the very end and it was a shock and I remember uh, we had that meeting with uh, with the specialist at Dornbecker and I was holding her and he was telling us um, just what the disease was and and you know what was going to happen and I just kind of went numb and I and things kind of started to just turn into sounds. I wasn't really listening. 
thinking back, I could hear him because I can remember some of the things that he said, but I was determined, I was determined for that five years, right? I told myself, okay, he said five years. And what he also said in that same appointment is that because of she had, she had some other things going on besides just the disease, that it, it, it all likeliness would be sooner than that. But I, me and Renee really held on to five years, five years. So we, she was going to be turning two in 2018. And so we thought, okay, we have three more years just to be with her and, 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 and to, to make her comfortable and to take care of her and love on her. And we're going to make this time really count. And um, in April of 2018, she she died. She She had a few seizures before, the week before, which were incredibly scary and um on april 18th that morning she she passed and uh it was a very traumatic uh, moment for me and for my family um i, I won't go into the details but it, it just was very traumatic and we had such a hard time living in that moment because it didn't feel real to us. You know, we were really expecting and hoping not just that she would live longer, but that she would be healed again. Just like with what I said earlier about my diabetes, I, I, I went to the prayer meetings. I, 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 I sat there as elders laid hands on me and, and laid hands on Sophia and, and we prayed and and I, I got to thinking about it, I thought, God, what, what better way for you to, to, to show your miraculous power than this? Again, making these deals, like, God, I, if you do this, like, we, we'll, we'll make it public. Like, we, we will do anything. I mean, this would be so miraculous, you know, if she would, if she would live. It would be even more miraculous if she started talking, if she started walking, if she started doing things that the doctor said that, that, that would never happen. How amazing would that be? I know this is your heart, God. I know you. I know this is your heart. I don't understand. Why aren't you doing something? And then when that happened, when she passed, we thought, why didn't you do something? That's really hard to reckon with, right? But that's why I can relate to what Jesus is going through. Because I prayed earnestly that God would do something. And it seemed so in his will from my perspective to do that thing i thought there's there's no way you're not going to do this like this this is this is no brainer god like you're going to heal my daughter like that that's just what you're going to do but things didn't work out that way just like they didn't work out the way that jesus was asking for them to work out in the garden right and the the thing is, is i believe i fully believe like i said earlier that Sophia is healed, that she's complete, that she's whole, that she is in heaven, whatever that looks like, and she is complete. And that's what I have to hang on to, right? That's what I have to grip very tightly, right? Because what happens when we, we face these things? What happens when we, when we pray for something, but it doesn't work out the way that we thought it was going to, or, or, or the way that we think God should do it, or, or even the way that he's done it before? What happens in those moments with our faith when it doesn't work out 
we have a few options, not very many. One is we say, oh, this whole thing's fake. It's not real. It's all made up. I was just making myself feel better. You know, that's all it was. Just a, a fantasy, a daydream. You know, now I understand that God's not real. Or we can say, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe my theology is a little bit skewed. Maybe there's something that I didn't notice or don't fully understand about Scripture. And so I'm going to look into it. I'm going to dive a little deeper. I'm going to try to figure this out. And I will get to the other side of this with my faith. But I have to figure out how that's going to work. Right? Or, third option is you can just kind of live complacently and be mad at God for the rest of your life. Which, uh, wouldn't recommend that. It's not very good for, for you. Doesn't really affect God, but for you, it's, it's poison, right? Those are really our options. And, and so in that moment, me realizing, expressing, as I said earlier, my, my, my pain, my suffering, my anxiety, my depression to God and saying, what is going on? Why have you done this? I came back around, right? I started going, God, I, I've seen you move in my life. I know that you've saved me. I know that you are, that you are good, excuse me. And I'm going to remember those things and trust in you. It wasn't easy. But after expressing myself, after getting those things out, I began to realize who God really is and his power. Even if things don't work out the way that I thought they were going to or that they should. And that's really important, I think, for us. I had to focus like a laser beam on the thing that I knew most about what I believed in. The thing that matters most to me is the gospel. Jesus, fully God, fully man, born into this world, died so that we could have eternal life. That's incredible. He died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He made a promise and that's the promise that I have faith in. That's the promise that I put my trust and hope in. That's the thing that Jesus did for me already that makes me want to worship him and praise him and give him glory and live my life for him. It's not because he healed me of my diabetes. It's not because he healed my daughter. It's because of the gospel. It's because Jesus died so that we could have eternal life. And that is so key and important and so much bigger than it, in an issue that we have here. And if somebody would have said that to me a couple of months after we lost Sophia, I, I probably would have been pretty mad at them. I just want you to know that if you're experiencing pain and suffering, if you've experienced loss, you're still in that place. Grief is something that we carry with us for the rest of our lives and we, we have to learn how to carry it. It's a burden that we have to, to learn how to carry. But what, what I'm saying, I'm not trying to, to dismiss that at all. Because like I said, if somebody would have said what I just said to me, 
when things were fresh, it, it wouldn't hit. And so if that's you the, today, I, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to dismiss what you're going through. Because right now it feels like the most important thing. And it, it for all intents and purposes, is the most important thing. And I get that. I understand that. But where I have come to in my journey is that God, through Jesus, paid for our sins and promised us eternal life. And, and I have to focus on that. That's the one thing that I know. It's the most important thing. Right? There's, there's all these discussions of theology and how it intersects with our lives. And, and I, I do care about a lot of that stuff. But what I care about more than that is the gospel. It's the best thing that Jesus ever did for me. And even if he never did one more thing, I would still praise him for his faithfulness. Because in the cross, and in the gospel, and in his death, he accomplished something uh, that I believe is the definition of his faithfulness, which is that if we believe in him, we could be saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that from wherever walk of life we come from, we, we, we can gather under your banner, the banner of Jesus Christ, and we can agree and we can say, yes, we know that Jesus is our savior. He is the Messiah, that he saved us. And that is the most important thing about our faith. That brings us all together. Lord, that you loved us so much that you sacrificed yourself so that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. God, it's not about anything else, really. It's about that. And I pray that our lives would be about that, about your gospel, about Jesus. We love you in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.